everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm an apocalypse wizard. No, I'm Danielle. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and every week we interact with our awesome listeners. Here's Danielle to tell you all about it. No, Ross Radke's going to tell you all about it. I think I fell for this last time. <laughs> ah, I got you. I got you again. How this works is you're going to listen to the podcast, and they're going to talk about Hellboy comics. And you're going to have probably read these comics. And if you haven't, you should probably pause the podcast and, and go ahead and read those <laughs> comics. <laughs> and after they do that, then they're going to talk about the comics. And you're going to listen to them talk about the comics. And after they talk about the comics, you're going to comment. And you can do that on the Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all sorts of places. And give your feedback because they want to hear your feedback. And they're going to talk about your feedback on the next episode of the podcast. And it's a book club's friendship. Yeah. Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Yay, Ross Radke. Book club member. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much, Ross. That's another clip from our debriefing episode. And speaking of Ross, make sure you're following him on social media, as well as our other good buddy, Matt Strackbine, in addition to at Comic Milagro on Twitter. It's linked in our link tree as well for your convenience. That's their new Kickstarter that's going to be kicking off on July 5th. This is a 68-page contemporary fight comic told in the grindhouse noir style of traditional luchador pop culture. I so- know all of those words individually. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the sentence you just said just made my mind turn into just a wall of static. Yeah. It's really good. It's Yeah. I'm excited for it. And Ross has been pumping out the promo stuff. On Twitter, you know, you can see, like, teasers oh, yeah. of the comic. It looks amazing, you know, and the fact that they have this, like, fight choreographer helping them, um, That's pretty rad. you know, to make the scene, those fight scenes really authentic. It looks really amazing. It looks savage. I'm really excited for this project. So, you know, get pumped. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed seeing the stuff that's coming out. I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be really special. I'm really excited that Ross and Matt could team up for that. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Make sure to follow them on Twitter and watch out for their Kickstarter in July. I also want to give a huge thank you to Mark Tweedell for his special gift. So sweet. Yeah, so... Mark Tweedell. I got this package and it said it was addressed to Hellboy Book Club. I was like, what? Yeah. Because nobody sends me mail like that. (laughs) And uh, so I I thought... I I had no idea what it could be and then um, opened it up and it was this... A wax stamp super right? super cute and sweet and oh thoughtful. man it was awesome very nice yeah and it's our i logo. was so excited i immediately was like give that directly yeah to me. i took it in the other room i immediately started making little wax stamps with it it looks great it's fun stuff really thoughtful yeah that was really nice and so now it sits alongside our other mignola artifacts john next put it to... in his curios cabinet over yeah here. there was a lot of great comments everyone was um really excited to see it they thought it was really it's cool awesome. it's awesome so now if anyone gets any, uh, you know, Hellboy Book Club mail, oh, yeah, have no, that yeah. on there. For sure, you know, um, thank you for it. that, Danielle. Tease, a little bit of a tease. We're going to be doing our giveaway and oh, are we? for the year. That was not on purpose. You know, I did um, not know that. We will have that coming up. Um, I'm trying to figure out when is the best place to do it because we've got Matt's Kickstarter. Sure. You know, they just did this Hellboy Kickstarter. So I want to make sure that people have a chance to contribute. But I am 
stockpiling a little uh, set of items to give away. That's good. You know, so um, I've got something, some stuff brewing in the back. So excited for that. When I posted the wax stamp, I said that uh, now it sits alongside our other curious objects. And there was a really cute comment by Brian Levy. Brian Levy. Book club member. Yeah. He said, unbelievable. Y'all deserve all the curious objects the world has to offer. <laughs> Thank Cute. you, Brian. Oh, that was awesome. Nice. Yeah, so thanks again, Mark. That is incredibly thoughtful for Very you to have sweet. this custom thing sent to us with our logo. So that's so exciting. I'm so excited to send some mail now. Yeah. You know? What a what a friendship thing to do. I know. That's real that's life friendship sweet, right yeah. there. Yeah. I also want to mention Ben Stenbeck. He has a killer sketchbook that you can order from him. I don't know if we've talked about it before, but uh you know, it comes signed by Stenbeck, and it has it has art in it from the Frankenstein Undone series that was canceled. So oh, you wow. can actually see some of those pages um, and some of the covers and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's like, what does all this mean? There's a guy in a mask, and it's kind of like Sir Edward Gray's mask, but then it also looks kind of like one of the Heliopic Brotherhood masks. Mm. I'm like, what is this story? <laughs> I want to know what right. is the deal with this mask. Anyway. I don't know. So, yeah, make sure to uh, get that sketchbook and maybe figure you stitch all the clues together to figure out what the story was. Also want to shout out Lawrence Campbell. As always, he has some amazing prints that you can order from him. Check out all of our buddies Ooh. and our pals over at Mike Manuel's Art on Facebook. Did you want to say something about Lawrence Campbell, Aubrey? I had no idea he was selling prints, so that's exciting. I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's this one print I've been meaning to get my hands on. I really need to order it soon before it runs out. But... uh you know that uh, that Fantastic Four cover that has the thing and it says, this man, this monster? Yeah, his Hellboy one. This yeah, there's one monster. with... Yeah, exactly. And it's got like the kid Hellboy on it. That's a great print. I would love one of those. Oh, that's like one of my favorite Lawrence Campbell pieces. Yeah, really cool. So yeah, um, check out Lawrence Campbell's stuff. And uh, the Mignoliverse subreddit is also cool. Support the books. The Quarantine Sketchbook is amazing. I don't know if we talked about that, but we all got a copy of it. Um, oh man since it's come out what's your favorite sketch in there i don't know i was i was looking through it you know i really love those skeleton cowboys and they have mm -hmm. these really elaborate vests with like flowers all over them and there's one that's like singing a little note i really like those those really appealed to me for some reason there's also a ton of werewolves that are really awesome the zula yeah. zula batwoman stuff is amazing you know oh, yeah. all that stuff is really cool what about you for some reason, I really like the horrible corn man guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he posted it online last year, I was just like, I just could not horrible. stop thinking. It was kind of, um, it was just really messed up and it just kept haunting my head. <laughs> <laughs> the the sequel to the crooked man, the horrible corn cob guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But, There's a uh, lot of those weird ones with like, sorry, with like vegetables for heads and stuff like that. And those yeah. are some cool ones, too. I like looking at those. I um uh, I like you know like when he does like all those pop culture things like the Thundercats and um you know He Man and all that kind of shit. Oh uh, yeah, but thank you for mentioning He Man. You know they're doing that new uh, Kevin Smith cartoon. Yeah, and Ooh, uh, by the way, Henry Rollins is going to be one of the voices oh, okay. on that. But um, they're going to do a comic also called I think it's called Master of the Universe Revelations, and one mm -hmm. of the covers is by Mignola. Yeah. Yeah, that is going to be so cool. Anyway, uh, go on. 
No, no, I was just saying, like, you know, and then, like, when he does, like, the Hellboy robot, the giant, you know, Batman robot. And yes. you know, just, I mean, it, it was really fun seeing all that stuff come uh, come through the feed last year, like, right at the right when the pandemic started. So having this nice, nice book, I mean, I, I hardly have any of the art books, so this one's, this one's really special to me. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, and it does kind of have some emotion attached to it since we were all going through that together you know what i mean it is kind of interesting to think back on it since we were watching it come out every you know every day new stuff was coming out it was kind of getting us all through that weird time those weird couple of months so yeah anyway very cool so uh yeah this week we're gonna do an all listener feedback episode we've got feedback on Hellboy the Lost Army, our Wayne Mitchell episode, and our movie commentary from last week. Oops, so, all feedback. Yeah, we've got some oops, all feedback, and I figured <laughs> we'd catch all up on that and be ready for some, dare I say, fucking Hellboy comics next week. <laughs> Ooh. We're going to be doing the other movies too, but I want to space that out a little bit. You know, let's do some comics. It's been a while since we've actually done some comics, and uh, and then we'll watch Hellboy 2 The Golden Army. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. You read a story, we talk about it. You hate them guys, us, and it's a book club. Get out, We got to hate you damn guys from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member yeah. and sometimes co-host. Yeah. And reading order extraordinaire. Yeah. And friend. <laughs> yeah. He says, I don't remember if I mentioned this before or not, but I wanted to talk a bit about the inspiration for Sarah Jewel, especially since you wrapped up Witchfinder, The Reign of Darkness. Here's what Chris Robertson has to say. Sarah Jewel grew out of a conversation that Mike and I had a couple of years ago. He was thinking about a possible new character, a young woman who traveled the world fighting monsters who could waltz into the Silver Lantern Club and instantly prove herself to be tougher and smarter than anybody else there, with the possible exception of Sir Edward, who would see her as an equal. The only problem was that he couldn't figure out a good uh, historical model for the character. I ended up drawing a lot of inspiration from Nellie Bly, the Victorian journalist who famously recreated Phileas Fogg's journey around the world, only she managed it in 72 and not 80, with a little bit of socialite and globetrotter Amy Crocker mixed in as well. Yeah, I have read about the Nellie Bly. I, I do. I think I saw like a drunk history about that or something. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. As a kid, I went through a bit of a Jules Verne phase and reading about Around the World in 80 Days led me to the encyclopedia, which in turn led me to Nellie Bly. I immediately thought that she was awesome, but it was not her 72-day trip around the world that fascinated me the most. She's also famous for pretending to be insane so that she would get committed to the Woman's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island so she could document the terrible way the patients there were being treated. I don't know why, but that stuck with me. Yeah, I remember reading oh. about that, too. Have you heard of that before? I've never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, no, that was a real thing that happened. Yeah, really interesting. It's worth looking into. So when I got to uh, Witchfinder, The Reign of Darkness, imagine how happy I was to see a plotline in tribute to Nellie Bly when Sarah Jewel infiltrates Prosper peen house it's just another reason for me to love his story yeah very cool i love hearing that from mark and i think mark kind of has sarah jewel on the brain right now because the house of lost horizons a sarah jewel mystery issue one just came out this week and you know Versity is covering the series over at multiversity.com i'll make sure to put a link in the show notes of this episode and make sure you go out and pick up that comic I already called my local comic book store. Shout out to Bedrock City Comics to get it on my pull list. So 
that's another you got christopher golden in there you've got christopher mitten so yeah that's going to be another great series we'll get to it on the podcast eventually i guess when the trade comes out we also had some feedback from hellboy the lost army Mark shared his thoughts on the finale of this book. I think a lot of this episode is going to be us taking turns reading Mark Tweedell's Mark Tweedell, continuing to be a book club member. <laughs> yeah, so um, he caught up with the book. You know, he said that when he read it initially, when he got to all the creepy Lahiri stuff, like he kind of right. just skimmed it a little bit. And so he like didn't properly read the end of the book until now. Um, but he said, um, now that you've finished, you can see a lot of the story that's not on the page. Hellboy left the Bureau in 1979 following a nasty incident in China that killed several agents and Hellboy felt responsible. We've never seen this story, but it's hinted at in both the comics and the novels, and we know it was a particularly low point for Hellboy. It's such a major part of his life, I figure we'll see it eventually. In June, following the China incident, Hellboy was investigating goblins, stealing arcane artifacts from the British Museum, and in the process he meets Anastasia. They hit it off immediately. He leaves the Bureau to travel with her. In April 1980, they're in Crete, Greece. Anastasia is abducted by the Obsidian Dance. Remember we talked about that? That was referenced in the book, and Hellboy saves her. Mm -hmm. And then in June 1980, this incident is cryptically referred to as the strangest night Hellboy and Anastasia ever spend together. That's when they mention Corfu, and he's like, yeah, that was weird. So... I wonder what that is. I, I imagine that it involves sexy times and fighting monsters. I guess. You know? I guess so. <laughs> Maybe you start off the night having sexy times and then you end up the night, I don't know, something horrible has happened. One or the other. Yeah. Or maybe it's back to the sexy sure. times. <laughs> <laughs> then in 1981, Hellboy breaks up with Anastasia due to constant disapproval from her peers. Jeez. So far, this is all the backstory and there's a lot of it. Jumping ahead five years to 1986, while on the case for Miss Critidum, Hellboy battles the tentacled monster in a Bentley, and that's the beginning of the Lost Army. He says, personally, I think this would make a great short story teaser for a Lost Army comic adaptation. And then, in May 1986, that's when the Lost Army takes place. I'd love to see this adapted in a way that brings it more in line with with what the series is now. Obviously, completely rewrite the Lahiri plotline. Or just drop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but thanks, Mark, for laying out all that timeline there. And um, I do like that. I, I would like to them to go back and fill in some of the gaps. You know, let us see some of this in the comic book form. I think would be great. Yeah. I, I would actually like to see the character of Anastasia in the comic. I think that would be really cool. Got a hey damn guys from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. That's right. Pazuzu is supposed to be the demon that possesses Reagan in The Exorcist. So if you go back and watch the opening scenes of Father Marin in Iraq, you'll notice throughout that the sound in the various areas he goes to is really uneven. Men working mm. at the archaeological dig, the marketplace, dogs fighting in the open desert, etc. All things going on that are typically mundane or are at the very least not otherworldly. But it feels like something is manipulating the sound and the air, which as we know is what carries sound. And as Marin stares at the statue of Pazuzu, the wind picks up to a deafening pitch until the scene cuts. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Love that. All these things seem like they could be tied to Marin's unease or his weakening health, but through this lens, it definitely feels like Pazuzu is messing with him, knowing that they will have to battle once again. That's awesome. That's interesting. Super cool. Yeah, and we did talk about Pazuzu. Um, He was mentioned as one of the spirits that 
Marty Ku was invoking for this huge desert storm that was happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that lines up with kind of what Christopher's talking Absolutely. about. I never knew that. Yeah, well, I have to showing, go back and watch that movie again. Showing that, well, not showing, but um, expressing that through the sound design of a yeah. movie is so incredibly clever. I love that, you know, that he's manipulating the air, which in turn will manipulate the sound. And that's puts you not only like, you know, creates unease, yeah. but is yeah. also kind of illustrating like the influence and the impact of Pazuzu, even though it's, he's unseen, it's still right. there. Like, that's really cool. I dig that. Yeah. And that was a huge part of the Lost Army. They were talking right. about how you couldn't hear and the sound was deafening and all this kind of stuff, you know, um, from the storm and the and the sand and everything. So I wonder if he was thinking about that as he was reading it, you know, right. thinking about the sound design of The Exorcist. That's really great. That's cool. One thing that was special, you know, I post some of the images from The Lost Army. And I always wonder, like, is this cool? Because, like, you know, then people don't have to buy the book. That's why I don't post all the pictures. You know, I just, I, I only post a certain few but then I actually got a comment on one of them from Mike Mignola himself. Mike Mignola, he yeah. commented. That was super exciting when I saw that comment pop up. Yeah, and uh, so there's this panel where Hellboy and Anastasia are escaping underwater and she starts drowning. And there's a little illustration that goes with it. And uh, Mignola commented on it and he said, it's been so long. I saw this one and thought, that's cool. Who did that one? Ah. <laughs> that was so awesome. Yeah, very cool. So that was awesome. We also uh, had some feedback regarding our Wayne Mitchell episode. Shout out again to Wayne Mitchell. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, that was thank so you. cool. He was such an awesome guy. Yeah, um, I really had a lot of fun talking to him, and he was so easy to talk to. I mean, I could have just we could have probably just kept sure. going, but I wanted yeah. to honor the time, you know, because I told him it would be about an hour, and then we actually went over the time. Right. It so was he, no, it was nice of him to dedicate. He was really that generous. Much of, yeah. Yeah. Time. To yeah. Listen. And the interview and everything it was very nice. But I would love to have him on again or nice just talk to him guy. again in any other respect because he was so nice and he was such a cool guy. So thanks again, Wayne. That was really cool. And obviously, you know, he's an actor and a voice actor, so he tells a good story. He spins a good yarn. Oh, yeah. Great. He spins a good yarn there. <clears throat> he said, I really enjoyed hanging with John, Danielle, and Aubrey talking about a truly original icon. Such a great group. Thanks for including me in your awesome book club. Too much fun. Shout out to Dreamscape Media for inviting me along on epic storytelling and to Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden for the awesome stories. And uh, yeah, so thank you so yeah. much, Wayne. And Mark Tweedell commented. Mark Tweedell, continuing to be a book club member. <laughs> continuing book club member comments. <laughs> yeah, he said, um, I'd like to hear more of the Hellboy novels as audiobooks. I've got my fingers crossed for Hellboy the Dragon Pool. So Hellboy the Dragon Pool, I guess, is not an audiobook yet. But it is one of the ones that's considered canon. Let's petition Wayne Mitchell to do the sure. Dragon Pool. That would be so okay. awesome. Let's get that Wayne Mitchell awesome. back on here to do Hellboy the Dragon Pool. Let's give him some more are we, work. Are we paying him to do this? Who's <laughs> paying him to do this? Wait, hold on. Because I'd like him to be paid well, for you know, his work, but I don't want to do it. Mark is so smart. When he made that comment, he tagged Dreamscape Media in the comments. Okay, so okay. Said, so hey, Dreamscape Media will be footing the bill yeah. for this. All right. <laughs> this is something that oh, we want. Excellent. Give it to us. Yeah. So Mark Tweedo and Drew Campbell and a bunch of other people also said, by the way, Wayne Mitchell was referring to Hellboy Into the Silent Sea by Gary Gianni, not Hellboy Those That Go Down in the Sea in Ships. You know, so... I love that scene in the title. It's God, fine. Uh, 
I had this moment when we were talking to Wayne and he started describing the story. I don't know if Danielle, if you remember this moment, but I was looking at you and I was totally blanking out. Like I'm supposed to be You an were expert. looking at me, you were like, what is and I was like, I, I don't know. Why would I be the one exactly who knows this? Like, I don't know that. I'm supposed to be an expert on right. all these stories. I'm supposed to like I've I'm the one on the show who's read all this stuff and wanted to do all this extensive research. And when he started mentioning this story, I couldn't think of a single right. Hellboy story. I couldn't think of anything <laughs> at all. I was totally sure. blanking out completely. And Your I was brain just is like, filled with circus music. Exactly. Just, yeah. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I just had this moment where I was, I panicked. And then Aubrey jumped in with the save. And I was like, that's it. Thank you, Aubrey. You got it. <laughs> because I thought that you were right. And he talked about how the art was different. And Jason Alexander is different. So... You know, uh, yeah. but anyway, uh, into so the, the correct sea. the correct story is into the silence. That's the one that Wayne Mitchell was talking. Look, about. Look, they both have yeah. C in the title. What do you want from us? So, so we uh, all know that all these nerds are going to jump immediately to correct exactly. us. So it's not like we have to get anything right ever. So when I did the post for the week, I said thanks to the correction yes. department yeah. because a bunch of people <laughs> chimed in to say that thank you, which we appreciate. I wish I would have had a lifeline right then at yeah. that moment where I could have. Chimed right. in to Mark Tweedo and just asked him. A.T. <laughs> <laughs> Johnston said... A.T. Johnston. Book club member. That's right. I really dug that interview episode. I encourage more episodes like that. And again, I recommend Emerald Hell. Hellboy Bayou Mystery. Hellboy Bayou Mystery that sounds That sounds awesome. Great and yeah. perfect. Nice. And that's one that Wayne Mitchell has narrated. So that would be a great opportunity yeah. to talk to him again, too. Well, we're, I'm glad that you like that episode, um... So it's, you know, yeah, we would encourage that too. Does anybody want to talk to us about this stuff? Because we'll totally talk to whoever wants to talk to us. I mean, we'll do that. Yeah. And we had some feedback regarding the Hellboy movie, our movie commentary. Oh, okay. You know, there was something special because uh, Danielle actually listened to the episode. You uh, you never listened to the episode. I never listen- listened to the episode, but what I like to do while I'm working on stuff, on whatever, um, you know, I will put in my headphones and I'll listen to movie commentary. Um, now, I don't have the movie going at the same time, but that's not necessarily something I need. I really just need something playing. Like yeah. so, I I just like to listen to, to two pals palling around, watching a movie, making goofy comments, and that's it's enough to just have that on, and and it's it's pleasant and relaxing. And so, I was like, oh, I'm I don't really what should I listen to? What what movie commentary <laughs> without watching the movie? Am I gonna? And I was like, I was kind of thinking to myself, didn't we just do one of these? I'm gonna. So I typically don't listen to this stuff. I have no interest in listening back to it at all. But um, it was really like I just don't. I don't know. It's I'm not listening to my. I own I put voice. all my sound clips in there. It's funny. I know you do a great job. I assume you do a great but, job. But I don't want to. I'm not going to listen to myself talk about stuff. You know what is that? But I listened to it just to kind of I don't know just out of curiosity I guess because it was kind of like having you there with me just Aww. hanging out watching a movie all day while I was working and it was nice it was but I you know I was listening to myself like what an idiot what's she talking about shut up be quiet <laughs> it was just very odd it's very strange to listen to yourself so I've, I haven't listened to myself once at all ever in any recording in any right. respect okay so I went ahead and did that just to kind of have a movie commentary going as like I do like I usually like to do so I don't know it was interesting it was it was like having you there at work Hanging out watching a movie. Yeah. But I was kind of listening to myself watch a movie with you. <laughs> so it's just very weird. It was just very odd. That's fun. Yeah. Awesome. But I, if, if anybody 
liked that or enjoyed it good and fun we'll record ourselves watching a movie and you can listen to it while you do some work yeah i no, guess we'll definitely whatever. do that yeah sure. yeah and i want to shout out to andrew adair andrew adair book club member that's right yeah he gave us that awesome theme it's called i gotta go too that's fun and it's um, cute. You, his band camp is linked in our link tree so you can check it out there. And I'm also going to use it on this this episode, too. So thank you, Andrew, for the awesome music. You're great. I really like that moment in the movie. I thought it was super cute. Uh, where I'm, I guess I said that in the commentary yeah, already, but it was, I thought that was adorable. Yeah, I gotta. I also have to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that you're walking away from me right now. It's fine. It's cool. I got this. Um, so we got a Hey You Damn Guys from Matt Strackbine. Matt Strackbine. Book Club member. That's right. The Hellboy movie ruined the comics for me. <laughs> just kidding just kidding he says he's just kidding you know me i don't really care to go off on things that i don't fully appreciate although this uh first del toro hb movie is very entertaining for the most part my main beef with it like any comic movie adaptation is this i can't understand why someone would read a comic say to themselves this would make a great movie and then basically present their personal fanfic on the big screen right but when you when i read that out loud to my i, I think to myself of course everyone wants to do that sure okay. because for, just hear me out. Like, from my perspective, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Mm. Because you want to be like, I'm so cool and super imp- Look at I'm me. I'm going to put my spin on Look it. at me. I have such a cool <laughs> interpretation. Everyone's going to love my vision of it. Right. I can definitely see directors yeah. wanting to do that completely. Yeah. Um, but I also understand your the perspective of why don't you just do that? There's you got so much good content. I feel like that about the BPRD stuff in this yeah. most recent one of like, you got a lot of stuff. Just do it. Just right. go with it. It's yeah. fine. Anyway. Uh, he continues, I mean, it isn't like the comic book was successful because it should have been different. I get when some things need a change or could be done with more detail in the movie version, but deliberate changes for no apparent reason baffle me. Again, I, I, I just chalk that up to like, I'm so creative and cool. Yeah. I know I could make something super cool that you will love. I think that that's the attitude that a lot of directors probably have. Yeah. Uh, he continues on, but this was a great episode. I'd listen to your commentary on the rest of the movies, too. Keeper of the Black Flame skull on my fireplace mantle, <laughs> Matt Strackbine, Longmont, Colorado. Yeah, oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see, uh, I mean, I, I I understand where Matt's coming from on yeah, this, because like, absolutely. when it's on certain things, uh, I'm like, why did you change anything? I mean, right. it's all right there. But then like, when you think of something like the MCU... I think those are big changes for the better to, to, from the comic right. to the movie. Oh, yeah, you know? you're right. But then something like the MCU, they're, they're working off like 50 years worth of com- comics right. worth of stuff. And then they're taking the best of what works. But then like with something like Hellboy, it's just a linear, linear story. Right. You know? And they have like hundreds of different artists and writers. And they're like, well, yeah. let's just do an amalgamation. It doesn't even matter at this point. This is like a, It's like making another run at a comic. Yeah. The movie is just like a different take on it. Whereas like you were saying... You've got one guy and a team of people that have been dedicated to this for 25 years or whatever. So what, you know, but I mean, at that point, I guess it hadn't been. It was only a couple of books at that point. Right. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, look, there's only a couple of books. We can do whatever we want with this. Sure. And maybe that's how they did it. Yeah. Because even Selma Blair said there wasn't a lot of Liz stuff. So how do you know that wasn't going to happen? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. I also kind of feel like, you know, there's a lot of producers, there's directors, there's art directors besides the cinematography directors. There's the cinematography people. There's all these different people who are chiming in and all the where's creative, the love story there's the creative components of all these people coming in there's how are we the gonna get the goyos in there yeah there's the director who's going wouldn't this be better for the big screen i have such a he has such a personal taste del yeah. toro he's got such a fairy tale yeah. fantasy personal taste and he's like look i'm inspired by this but wouldn't it be cool if we did this and he's got such a big creative 
mind and a big personality that he wants to put his own. And I don't, you know, I can't blame you. Why would you bother making a movie unless you could put your own creativity into it and, and have it through your lens, you know? Well, then also in like the special features, Mike Mignola talks about how uh, he didn't want a straight adaptation. Exactly. He wanted, he wanted Del Toro his own spin on it. Right. So, so that's yeah. kind of, it's straight from the source, straight yeah. from the creator of Hellboy himself. He wanted it to be different and a new spin on it and this right. guy's specific creativity on it. So there's your answer. I mean, he wanted that. That's why. Sure. So, but it's like, I can also see the other side of it where it's like, he has such great source material. Just go for it. Just do a direct adaptation. Yeah. So yeah. there's got to be some middle ground there at some point. I feel like this is it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the movie is kind of that right. middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. You could go either way with it. it. I think it also depends on the project. Hellboy lends itself to such a fantastical thing. You could sure. really do whatever. But like, there's some stuff where you're like, why? Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. Why? But then, like, you know, there are some things that still baffle me. Like, why is the BPRD a secret organization in the movies? That... <laughs> <laughs> Right. I feel like it more clandestine or whatever. I like. feel like it's because, like, I guess, like around that time when superhero movies were starting, you know, yes, starting to come out all the time. Quiet. Every every superhero had to be secret identity kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it had to be the super secret organization and all that. Kind well, of and stuff, you even so. mentioned at one point while we were doing the commentary, I think you had talked about they wanted to make him like a dude, like a regular guy, right? Who oh, turned yeah, into yeah. a Hellboy, like a werewolf style or something. <laughs> That's or you know, like, I was thinking like the Hawk style. Like, okay, but this is already so. This is already a compromise because if if you know if we give any more ground, it's going to be this. So exactly. it's like we have to kind of I think there was a thing where they're like, well, maybe we should compromise on a bunch of other stuff so we don't have to put up with that because right, that's going to yeah. be really bad. So, you know, it could have been just like a give and take sort of a thing. Well, like we absolutely want Abe to be a weird fish man who has rebreathers and goggles and stuff because I want to put my cool Del Toro clockwork man spin right, on it. Yeah. But I absolutely yeah. draw the line at making Hellboy a regular dude who turns into Hellboy like the Hulk. <laughs> you know, maybe it was a little bit like that. Like he was working... He was working with us there. Right. Yeah. Mark Tweedo also had some comments. Mark Tweedo. Continuing comments. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm enjoying this a lot more the second time. A big stumbling block the first time around was the Hellboy and Liz relationship and the teenager stuff. But this time, I'm just seeing all the things that make me smile. Like Ron Perlman even knows how to walk like Hellboy. It's true. Yeah. And Jerry had a great comment. He chimed in there in mark's uh thread and he said uh it's not our hellboy but it's magnificent nonetheless every inch of the screen is dripping with creativity and beautiful design there you go i like that oh, you know very, it may yeah, not be our true. hellboy but it's still an awesome thing to well, behold like the books don't disappear when the movie gets yeah exactly made. you can just pick yeah. up the books and read them like it's it's still there <laughs> Mark went on to say, I always remind myself that this movie is not for me. I was already reading the comics. This is for everyone else. And Guillermo del Toro did what he could. In a lot of ways, he was held back by the studio. They had a shape that superhero movies were back then, and the studio was trying to squeeze Hellboy into it. That being said, they still got away with a lot of shit that the superhero movies were not. He kind of broke the mold in a lot of ways because there was a lot of superhero movies that absolutely were not any of this and yeah. i think that that's i think that says a lot about how he kind of changed the landscape of what those movies could be and he talked about the secret organization in the film how they're a secret 
He said because superheroes in the early 2010s were always a secret, or they had a secret identity. Right, yeah, we they just could not, went over this, yeah. They could not imagine an I am Iron Man's type scenario. <laughs> sure. That wouldn't happen until four yeah. years later. Right. And it was like groundbreaking at the time. Oh, yeah. They saved it for yeah. the end of the movie to be like, what? Everyone's going to know that he's Iron Man? You know what I mean? Whoa. So that hadn't happened yet. Sure. Um, Mark also mentioned in the comics the Tunguska event was caused by the Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra. I think I mentioned that in the commentary, but I couldn't remember what I, the exact right. reference was. Um, the bureau equipment failing thing was actually specific to when they had Zinko equipment. Oh, yeah. Ah. I about that. People tend to, pro- to project it into the whole bureau, but it was actually just that one specific period. I like that. That's so cool, though. That makes I do sense, like that, Zinko though. It's is fun. such a fucking piece of shit organization. He said uh, the stuff with <laughs> Ivan, the corpse, is fantastic. It's aged very well. That's because yeah. I, I think it's because they did the animatronics and yes. it wasn't CG. The animatronics. If it would have been yeah. CG, it would look like shit nowadays. Yes. But it looks oh, awesome it really because would. they had that awesome puppet. The animatronics team they had working on this movie just incredible, amazing. Yeah. And the pro- all the props department and the people who put all the the effects and the makeup and the yeah. goop and the whatever details and stuff, the painters and the but the animatronics people. Made robots that I've never seen robots move like that. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. Really amazing. He also said the pit with the spikes remind him reminds him of Mr. Clark getting spiked and wake the devil. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so there's the pit of spikes and they throw Cronin on it at the end. Mr. Clark, that's how he dies. Remember when Abe gets injured down there too. Yeah. He says it's nice seeing the Mignola credit come up so early and so unmissable. All comic book movies should credit its creators like yeah, that. Yeah, it's huge. And that was Completely 2004, agreed. too. Yeah. That was 2004, yeah. so I mean... It's unmistakable, it's humongous, yeah. it's like right next to, I guess, it's like they do Del Toro, and then they do Mike yeah. Mignola pretty soon after, if not yeah. right after. It's like, it's yeah. it's pretty well in there. I mean, in the last one, and I'm not, and I don't want to start comparing the two, but in the last one, like, we were waiting to see if Guy yeah. Davis yeah. and uh, fucking John Arcudi were going to get credited. And it was like all the way at the very yeah, end of the movie. Not <laughs> yeah, not it was like cool. at the end of the credits. It was like the very last credit. I was like, okay. Man, when um, we get to that one, we're going to have to watch through the entire credits because that has the end scene at the end. Oh, yeah, we will uh, have to do that. <clears throat> I think we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Probably. Jerry Turnbull also pointed out some great details. Jerry Turnbull, book club member. That's right, he's a book club member. He said you can't really see it in the picture, but it's quite clear in the movie. Sergeant Whitman and all the soldiers have the rosary beads they scoffed at earlier wrapped around their weapons in their hands. Uh, okay. Um, ah. and, and when they're taking the big group picture, he also said when young Liz lets loose, she's in Mignola Plaza, and he shared a screen what? grab. It says Mignola Ooh. Plaza behind her. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a great cute. detail that we didn't catch. Oh, see, this is bit, like Del Toro and Mignola were like best pals. We're best buddies. Yeah, yeah. Hand in hand, and Del Toro's like, Mignola's amazing. I love to honor this man. And Mignola's like, Del Toro's the best. And they were like, yeah. palling around. And that's so cool. And then, really... like, you know, as that's not necessarily the case in a lot of uh, projects where. Right. You know, you don't get to yeah. work so closely with the um, the author of the source material or the right. original artist or what or whoever, and so I think that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Jerry also mentioned the Sergeant Whitman was the gold leader in the original Star Wars. Oh, okay. That's a great little uh, detail. Uh, yeah, that's fun. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I did not know that. We also heard from Paul from Gardaharn. Paul from Gardaharn. Book club member. Book club. Uh, theme music extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An extra little title on there. I like that. Yeah, he said, um, woohoo, I asked for this as a Christmas special a few years ago. <laughs> 
delighted to have this, and now I have a plan for the weekend. Aww. Aww. Awesome. I, I really hope that people are sitting down and watching it with the movie. I know that Danielle's experience... I like to just um, listen to She him. likes to just listen to it. I also have a great comment from A.T. Johnston. Hey, it's A.T. Johnston. Book club member. Yeah, he said, um, he said, I hope you do the other films. This first one is cooked into my brain. I was fine just listening and knowing right where you were, lol. <laughs> I thought that, That's that was, great. So he's seen it so many times right. that he was like, oh, they're talking about this part of See, the movie. See, I do that with movies that I've seen a million times, and it's it's like that, like I can tell what they're talking about. But I've also done this with movies I've never seen before, and you know what? It's fine. It yeah. works. It's fine. And it, it makes me want to go watch the movie then, because I'm like, I, I got to look at this now. But if it's people that you've been listening to forever, you can just kind of listen to them. And yeah. It's like having... Yeah. That's just funny. two guys joshing around, cutting up, watching a movie, and it's it's very relaxing <laughs> for some reason to just do a bunch of work and zone out. Yeah. Effin and Jeffin. Uh, we also had some feedback from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. I was around eight or nine when this movie came out. I had never read or even heard about of Hellboy comics. I watched it at a friend's house after it came out on DVD because I was a big horror and monster movie fan. And a demon working as a secret agent Kelly monster sounded like it was right up my alley. And holy fuck, it was. This movie blew my mind the first time I watched it. And it kickstarted my love for Hellboy and Mignola's work. By the time I was 10, I had begged for or scrounged up any money I could get and had most, if not all, of the Hellboy comics that were out at the time. And from then on, I've never stopped loving Mike Mignola's work. Awesome. This is is also my first Del Toro movie and sent me on another spiral of trying to watch all of his other films, my favorite of which is probably The Shape of Water. Del Toro really loves his fish man monsters. Yeah, awesome. You know, I just got got the 4K of Shape of Water. I was watching it the other day, and it looks awesome. I mean, yeah, Del Toro's amazing. I want to go on a big binge of all his movies now that we watch this Hellboy. Because I have, like, the box set that has... um, it has Chronos, Devil's Backbone, and Pan's Labyrinth in it. Oh, nice. Man, that would have been really cool seeing that at like 8 or 9, because like, the stuff that I liked it when I was eight, 8 or 9 was like He-Man and Transformers and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I love that stuff still, but like, if you go back and watch those cartoons, they're not good. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to go back and watch something that was actually good, right? wow yeah so that is so cool i mean if you think about it like that like i mean a kid who's eight or nine isn't going to have access to hellboy comics you know indie comics you know what i mean but like they'll go and they'll watch a friggin monster movie you know what i mean so yeah that is so cool we also heard from ryan yule ryan yule book club member that's right he said, I think it's surprising that Mezco didn't make a Liz action figure for the first film. Hmm. Yeah, I think there was one for the second film, but yeah, why wouldn't they? They didn't make a Liz figure? No, uh, Ryan, Ryan actually shared on our Facebook page, he has the entire set of Hellboy movie figures from the first movie. Of course, they're all still in the plastic and everything. Uh, but know, back you know, to the yeah. original subject. Yeah. What, what, there's no Liz figure? No, there's uh, Rasputin, Cronin abe and hellboy and there's like five different abes uh, and 10 different hellboys wow um, well i think yeah. we all know what that's about yeah so i mean yeah wow i don't really care about to- like i don't buy toys or figures or whatever but that i think we all know what that's about uh there was a liz figure for the second movie i do believe because i i've seen that one all right well do you think it was because people were complaining or Maybe. they just <laughs> I would hope so because I mean. Well, I think that yeah. it had the books had just gotten a lot more ground. We'll we'll talk about it when traction. we get to that one, but a lot okay. more a lot more stuff was out by then. I mean, they have Johan in the movie, so you know. Um, I cut my own bangs in the Psycho Ward. <laughs> 
Yeah, so thanks for sharing that, Ryan. You can check out those awesome figures on our Facebook page. We also had some other comments, you know, um, talking about the Hellboy movie, we got a lot of different commenters and people chiming in. Um, I didn't include everybody. You know, a lot of people were saying, this is my favorite movie. Right, right, right. Um, this is my yes. favorite movie of all time. Oh. I'll, I'll burn my house down for this movie. No, Jeez. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but people love this movie, you know, and people love Ron okay, Perlman as Hellboy. Fun. That was the overwhelming response. Um, oh, yeah, to I mean, me posting yeah. about it, which is great. I think people who had never seen the comics had also never seen a movie like this. Yeah. And that's that's something. Like, if you can try and put your brain in that position briefly and yeah. think about what that would be like, like, that's pretty cool. I can see why a lot of people would be like, oh, this movie was fucking rad because there wasn't anything else out there that was like it. Yeah. Like, when I saw the movie, I saw it because I was a Del Toro fan. Uh, right. I mean, I was, a, I was aware of Hellboy, but I, I was more a fan of Del Toro's films at the time. I still am, because, I mean, Del Toro's a it's weird. director. It's weird, and it's very, you know... I can see why this would have stuck right. with a bunch of people who yeah. had never seen a single Hellboy comic. Yeah, a user on Instagram, Folly Fufu, said... Folly Fufu. <laughs> Book club member. That's right. Love the movie. It really got me into the comics back then. There and you so go. I think, like, you know... Well, a lot of people, A lot of I people, think, yeah. you know, including Hayden, just said, you know, I mean, this kind of made them go... I don't know what this is, but I have to yes, know more about yeah. this. And maybe I've never read comics before, or maybe sure. it's been a long time since I've read comics, but now I have to go find out more about this, which is amazing. You know what I mean? Just based on the imagery alone. And that is one, one thing we talked about is Del Toro and Guillermo Novaro did such an amazing job of bringing Mignola's artwork to life in the only yeah. way that you really could, which is through the lighting and through the shadows. Yeah. You know, and they do such amazing work on there, like, and I think I mentioned it before, but Navarro's going to go on to win, like, Oscars and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? For his cinematography. So, you know, this isn't just like a... People cared. They gave a shit about yes, this movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They were having it, a great time. It really time. comes through, and I think that's why it captivated the the fantasies and Even all know, the designers and the so sculptors people. and yeah. the people that were yeah. working on just every little detail. You can tell everyone who worked on this was just into it. Yeah. We also heard from a user, Blitzkrieg Bop. Blitzkrieg Bop. Book club member. That's right. Don't start a drinking game with Danielle's F-bombs or how much she hates Myers. Uh, classic. Uh, <laughs> That's classic Danielle. Well, listen, oh, I'll never apologize for it because I'm not sorry, but also I do hate Myers. So yeah. We yeah, also- definitely, definitely, definitely don't start a drinking game, though. You will, you will die of alcohol poisoning. You will, you will die uh, of alcohol poisoning. But if you start a water drinking game, you'll be fully hydrated by the end. Well... It might be drinking too much water. You're going to take some pee breaks, but yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Wes Matthijs said... Wes Matthijs. Book club member. That's right. I thought that was a pretty good casting job. Abe is great. Just wish he was a stronger character. I also wish he was in the final fight scene instead of Myers. Right? Wouldn't that have been yeah. better if yeah. he had been that scene? They kind of Professor x Except him stupid Myers. By the end of it, <laughs> right. Yeah. You want to read this comp... <laughs> we got a comment from jason avedon jason avedon jason, book club member that's right jason avedon <laughs> says i love every moment of the movie that's not hellboy creeping on liz oh okay or about abe being a wishy-washy empathy instead of a gun-toting badass look having empathy is fine and good and you should have empathy uh okay it's not super faithful to the comics but it's well acted and visually amazing some of the pacing is bad too the movie grinds to a stop at the russian cemetery and when hb bonds to manning i like that i scene. like that part yeah it sounds like you hate character development uh no it's, 
And who decided to add the cat thing? That was a bit much, and that was weird, and I did not like that. I like Mac the dog better. Yeah. yeah. He could have yeah. a cat, one cat. Yeah. You know? Kind of an odd twist. Uh, yeah, I think we all agree with that. The scene with the Ogdra Jihad was very well done, though I really wanted to see the alien guys monitoring it. Yeah, that would have been That would have been so cool. Maybe like you, an after credit scene. Because you would have yeah. just cut to it and you would have been like, Who what the fuck was guys? that? Like, Just like in the comic. Yeah. It would have been so intriguing. Like, everybody would... I swear, if they would have included that scene, yeah. people would still be talking about yeah. it today. What was the alien scene yeah. about in Hellboy? Oh, you do yeah. Hellboy comic podcast? What was that alien yeah. scene about? I bet you people would still be asking I about it. Loved, it would be so intriguing. I would have loved just an after credit scene where it's just on board the ship. They're just doing alien stuff. Right. It, that's just nothing. They're just doing alien stuff in silence, and it's just little blips and bloops. And right. And you see the Audra Jihad in the, like, they're monitoring it. Yeah, they're just it monitoring it for yeah. just a good 10 seconds. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Yeah. And so, regarding the heroes casting, he said, Well, they got two out of three right. Mostly right. Abe. Uh, in the comics, he's got no dippy empathic powers and keeps a gun on him to handle trouble. Uh, he sleeps in a tub but can breathe air just fine. No need to live in a giant tank. I mean, yeah. He also doesn't need those goggles and occasionally will smoke a cigar. Uh, regarding the villains casting, these were all perfect. Cronin was actually much more interesting in the movie than from the comics. Yeah, some of that I agree with and some of that is like, it's fine. I, I, I do like that he point out that Abe is the one that smokes cigars. Yeah. He's the one yeah. that smokes cigars. Right. Hellboy smokes, Hellboy smokes cigarettes, cigarettes. And Liz smokes cigarettes. Yeah. Abe is the one. Yeah. Liz didn't light up a single cigarette the entire movie, which Although is so Although it does odd. seem weird that Abe would smoke since he's a fish man. But he's not really like this. Like, like this. Yeah, uh, but he's not really like, like Jason Abaddon is saying, he's he's not. It's not that extreme. Like, I think yeah. when Del Toro saw that there was this fish man, he was like, oh, my God, fish man. Oh, I can do so many cool things with this fish man. And he got really excited yeah, about that yeah. part of it, that aspect of it. And was like, well, you can't have two badasses running around. You got to have one badass and one guy who's kind of flippity jibbity yeah yeah which is like yeah you know he wanted them to be kind of like opposites red sure. and blue you yeah. know what i mean they have that co- whole kind of thing going two sides of the same coin or right. something so i yeah. think that that was the whole you know the, I think the I whole approach with that i would have preferred if abe had just i think like we said this all all this in the commentary but i would have preferred if abe had just been like a regular dude yeah yeah and just like say like just kind of average mannerisms and you know yeah, no, I think that, I mean, that's how I vision him, you know, yeah. reading the comics. You know, I just picture yeah. him as like this kind of, you know, he's kind of like quiet and introspective. Yeah. He's always in his head, but he's just kind of like a regular guy. You know, but he is so. the guy that would be like, did you eat my kale salad I had in the yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I had my name on it, and I don't understand why you would eat something that has somebody else's yeah, name because, on it. Um, don't do that, by the way. That sucks. But I, I, you know what I'm saying is like yeah. I just kind of always envisioned him as just a regular guy, a regular dude. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's such a badass in the comics yeah. that like they don't really give him a whole lot of action, you know. Right. And that was one thing. I guess we'll, we can talk about it more when we get to the Golden Army. But that that is something that I I didn't see fulfilled as much right. as I would have liked. You know what I mean? I think because, Del Toro saw yeah. this guy and he was like, look, instead of having him be a regular man, let's have him be a a flippy floppy fish man. Had the stuff about Langdon Call come out yet? Well, by the time the movie came out, I don't think so. No, because uh, um, that was all the Plague of Frogs stuff, BPRD, and okay. um, you know, Hollow Earth maybe came out around then, or maybe just before or after then. But the Plague of Frogs stuff hadn't fully kicked off yet. Okay, well, I'm wondering if. Um... Had those stuff come out by the time he made the movie, would he have made Abe more like he was on the comics, knowing 
how his origin kind of is instead of being like, uh, I mean, he clearly thought of him as like an undersea creature from something like always an undersea creature, like right. always, always a, um, you know, half demon. Sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Not that he was a man and he turned into that. Um, so I asked everybody on social media, I put some posts out asking what everybody thought of the romantic relationship that was added between Hellboy and Liz. And, you know, I think that is the biggest difference of the movie. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I kind of wanted to get some, I thought, you know, I would get some good content out of that. And I sure did. A lot of people responded. We heard from Wes Matice again. Wes Matice. Book club member. He said, I was strangely okay with it. It wasn't over the top. I definitely prefer their relationships in the books better, like Big Brother Hellboy, or just really close friends that have been through a lot together. Not sure they needed to be in a romantic relationship for Hellboy to act the way he did with Liz in the movie, but it was fine with me. I disliked the weird love triangle with Hellboy, Liz, and Myers more than the relationship with Hellboy and yeah. Liz. Yeah. Mike's yeah. Hellboy wouldn't get jealous or end up in a love triangle. Right, yeah. That's true. I mean, that's that was very annoying. Like I said, I think a lot about this. What I disliked about this movie could be alleviated by just removing Myers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. there's got to be some tension. I understand why they did it. If there's got to be, there's got to be some tension there, and there's got to be, you know, kind of a uh, a conflict so that the conflict can be resolved. But right. the thing where just Myers is just like staring at them from two feet away while they're making out is just kind of like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> that was so I mean, funny you know, what we I were talking don't... about. It never occurred to me until watching it with you that, that how Why? weird that is that he's just watching them while they're kissing Please. at the end. <laughs> walk away to an alcove. Go find a little alcove and, and just oh, sit yeah, there. Yeah. Until... Just sit there. Get on the radio and call for backup. Like, look, we got to get out of or here. Or turn around at least. You know? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, but man. no, I, I get it. You know, there's I understand from the view of the filmmakers like we got to have we got to have a love interest here. And this is the perfect opportunity to do this. There wasn't very much um, content yet. So they they maybe they thought that was the natural way to take it, I guess. And then having Myers in there was just annoying enough for me to be like, this is fucking annoying. Right. I can't. We got a comment from Tom Barnett. Tom Barnett. Book club member. Tom said, that's the hurdle I struggle with the most in these films. Ah. Uh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can see that, yeah. We also heard from Parvis Artwork. Parvis Artwork. Book club member. It didn't feel right. In the comics, they have a more sister-to-brother-mentor-friend relationship. Hellboy saw her growing up being the one who wasn't scared of her powers when she was a kid and accidentally killing her family. And even giving her a lollipop the first time they met. In the movie, they play the jealousy game with that other dude that didn't have any purpose but that. That guy doesn't even show up in the next Golden Army movie. I believe it was <laughs> I believe it was a wrong move, but hey, I watched it and enjoyed it as a fan anyway. Effects were good. Yeah. Right on, yeah. And no. yeah, and yet yeah. another person who recognizes that Myers is dog shit. <laughs> and yeah, no, all that stuff about like he's her brother, mentor, friend, kind of big brother guy, like yeah, absolutely. But yeah. like had they gone into all that? I don't think yet. so. And so, then e even if they had, we don't know that that's what it was in the movie. You know, in the movie, they might have been different. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe he didn't yeah. meet her in I that way. I think that's way. what they're saying, though. Like, the difference is what they yeah, are, They yeah. would have preferred to see the other way around kind of thing. But we didn't really have a big BPRD thing going. I don't think so. So without that, when it's Hollow like, Earth came out. Um, yeah. I if, we say, had, if we had ever gotten, like, a BPRD movie yeah. where they go more into the 
ensembleness of it. Yeah. That would have I think obviously you would want to go that route where it's like, nah, he he's my mentor big brother right. friend. I think Hollow Earth had come out already, sure. to be honest, but I don't know. Anyway. He's my dad. It's I guess they had the opportunity to do that and they took it because it's like, well, we need this in the movie. Right, it's just right. kind of fits in a place for us. But like without all that other back lore and and stuff, without all of that, it's an obvious choice to make for Hollywood. But if you had already had all that stuff going on in the books and then made that movie, it's kind of like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Why'd they do that? So, yeah, I can uh, do it. If they had come out with that movie now, it would have been a little questionable. Like, why are you doing this? I think it would have been more. Yeah. I think I would have been a little bit more like, "Mm, I don't know about this. Got some comments here from uh, some more book club members. One from Gotham City Demon. Gotham City Demon. Book club member. There you go. I was actually young enough that I wasn't aware of Hellboy until I saw the movie, so I was introduced to the movie version of their relationship first. Ah, that's kind of like what Hayden said. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and then I've got a book club member named uh, Mr. Rama versus Comics. Mr. Rama versus Comics. Book club member. Grossest thing about the movies, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, but hey. again, yeah. I think that's just through, that's through hindsight. Yeah, you know, so I guess if you're used to seeing one thing and they change it to be another thing that would yeah. feel weird yeah yeah jim bowman one two three said jim bowman one two three book club member i saw the movie first so i was actually surprised they were never together in the comics in my opinion the romance was handled very well okay and i think like okay. i think i even said this when we got to the end of it and they're kissing and they're all in the fire like it's no wonder why people have fallen in love with this version of it sure. you know what i mean yeah. and i think I wouldn't be surprised if people come to the comics and they're like, oh, they're not together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. it is such a important and powerful and beautifully yeah. told part of the movie. You can't deny it. Even yeah. even me, who do, like I've said on the podcast so many times, but then as we're sitting there watching right. the movie, commenting on it, I'm like, this is great. I fucking love this. Even though oh, yeah. sure. it's it, it's hard for me to reconcile those things, but... They're such good actors, and they're both so beautiful. And it's and Del Toro has such an amazing way of uh, with the effects and the music and, yeah. and the score by Beltrami and everything. You know the cinematography. It just creates this amazing love story that like it just takes you away. You know sure. what I mean? You you can't help but be captivated by it. And I think that you know. I um, guess if you're able to keep in your mind the idea that these are separate, completely separate things that have nothing to do with each other. You know, it's like it's just a different right thing. Like they have, don't they have? I've never read any of this, but I've heard from various people about this over the years of like, oh, and in this line of comics, they changed it so Wolverine's gay, and they changed this and that so that this guy Mm. killed this other guy, and it's totally different. So, or no, it wasn't. It was Colossus, I think. Oh, okay. They changed it so that Colossus is gay, and 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 whoever else did something else, he killed. His dad actually, and then somebody else did this and that. So it's like they have different versions right, right. for different yeah. timelines yeah. and all this reboots and shit. Like it happens constantly. Yeah. In comic books and in movies all of the time. And this is like the one thing you're going to get hung up on, I guess. <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, I did my little post. I got a lot of attention for it on social media. My Into the Hellboy verse post. Okay. Where I posted the different Hellboys. Sure. You know, you could have. Uh, right. You could have the animated version. You could have the comic version. You could have the Ron Perlman version. You could have the David Harbour version. You know, you could have giant Hellboy and, you know, a a whole different (laughs) team, you know, and they're all different. And 
One's in love oh. with Liz, and another one is sure is with Alice, and another one is dead. You well, know in, what in, I mean? In one timeline, <laughs> you know, in one timeline, you've got Hellboy. You know, is the only person who's not scared of Liz and makes her feel comfortable as a child and gives her a lollipop and comforts her and becomes her big brother and all this stuff. And in another version, like that never happened, so it's fine actually. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, none of that happened, so it's a different thing entirely. So it's like you got to kind of put that in context, I, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, Mister GB ninety two said, Mister GB ninety two, book club member. That's right. I prefer the brother sister friendship in the comics. Okay, okay. So I think a lot okay. of people, you know, you go back and forth. Some people love the movie version, and they were. I thought, thought it was handled well. well I was surprised it, it wasn't, and some people are like, "I prefer the comics." And I think you know. it also has to do with did did you make a connection with that on a personal level? Yeah. And that's so important. Yeah. When, you, when you make a connection that is meaningful to you, there's something about that that when you have a connection to a, a story or, or a set of characters that that means a lot to you, it's it's impactful, <laughs> and and you wanna you know you wanna see that represented or whatever. And when you see it in such a different way, because that is a really drastic yeah. change in a relationship. Going from brother sister to romantic interest is that's a hell of a an adjustment to make in your mind. And so for you, you're like, oh, these characters' relationship that I connected with that spoke to me in my life. Maybe I have someone in my life that's like a big brother to me. Mm. And all of a sudden, you're yeah. seeing this thing that you really related to before. You're like, mm, I don't know about if I want to <laughs> kiss my big brother. That's that's kind of weird. Right. I don't know about that. And so for you, like maybe you were the big brother in that relationship, and you can't possibly imagine like. Right kissing this girl that was like you mentored them from childhood and so that's gonna be a little bit weird or the other way around exactly. where you f you, yeah. f you fall in love with the hellboy liz relationship and you're like uh we're like hellboy and liz yeah and, and we're gonna build our whole and then you see read the comics and you're like wait a minute they never they're not even together and she's with this guy howard's but i think that yeah. that you know you can i think to me the important part is that you're connecting with these characters in some way. And that's yeah. the important part. You know, the comics don't disappear just because the movie exists and the movie doesn't disappear sure, just because yeah. the comics exist. Yeah. So it's like, if you had a meaningful connection to any of this, okay, good on the creators because they they did it. Yeah. They were able to create something that you connected with. And I think that that's, that's the important thing to take away is that you you still have that. You know, it, it's, it doesn't disappear just because a, a different interpretation of it made a different call. Right. So you can still kind of appreciate the way that that impacted you yeah yeah and i think we'll get more feedback on the movie throughout the weekend for next week and um, we had a bunch of comments and i really appreciate everybody commenting and adding their two cents in but by far my favorite comment about this relationship came from virginia solita virginia solita book club member book club member she said as a hellboy comics fan i was both annoyed and thrilled <laughs> It worked perfect in the movie. There you go. And I, 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 I love up. that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. That's true. I'm annoyed well, and thrilled. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, okay. So, like, my, my whole thoughts on the Hellboy-Liz relationship was, like, I first, you know, countered them through the movie. So, I was really, you know, I, I was all on board with the, the, the relationship. And then when I started reading the comics with the with the podcast and we saw the brother sister relationship develop. Um, I preferred that relationship a little bit more. So, but I was thinking about it the other day. It's just like, you know, we were talking about Hellboy and Anastasia and Hellboy and Anastasia. <laughs> um, You're going to have to go back and record that 400 more times. Like Wayne Mitchell. <laughs> I know. Um, we were all like, man, you know, Hellboy and this whole weird sexy time. Cause you know, we don't really see anything like that in the comics, but like my first experience with Hellboy was seeing him and Liz 
in some sexy time. I mean, not like super sexy time. Right, but, yeah. right. Wait, what PG version of the movie were you watching? <laughs> uh, PG-13 sexy Oh, well, yeah, you know making I mean? out for sure, yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, like just like you said just a moment ago, like watching the movie, that thing is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but I do prefer the comic interpretation yeah. these days. Yeah. Right on. I, and, and, and I feel the exact same way, Aubrey, but I could not help but get wrapped up in it when we were watching it the sure. other day. On the 4K, it's we were a, all together, and well, I was just like, God, I love this. It's yeah. a different journey that you're taking yeah. with each you know, interpretation yeah. there. And so I feel like you can... You can connect with whatever one is suits your fancy at the time. Yeah. Awesome. And then, um, like Mark says, and like you know, so I kind of started feeling this the same way. It's it's nice to see more platonic relationships, and not everybody has to be in a relationship <laughs> these be days. Hooking up all the time. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. It's nice to see strong examples of you know healthy platonic relationships because you know you know platonic yeah I mean absolutely I think that's important yeah you know? it definitely is for sure. That's actually a much bigger point than a lot of people think is because a lot of people would hear you say that and be like, obviously, why are you even saying it out loud? Right. There are there are grown people out there who sincerely believe you cannot be friends with someone if you're not in a romantic relationship with them, and that's sad and hmm. sucks. Yeah, I think you're right, Aubrey, in that it's cool to have examples of that, and I appreciate that, and that's good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think we'll get more comments on the movie. It was really fun to talk about. I'm really glad that we got to do that. I'm glad that we got to be together again. And um, we'll do, well, yeah, we'll do some more stuff like that uh, coming up. But I'm excited to get back into some Hellboy comics. And so we're going to be doing some comics next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Uh, that was fun catching up on all your listener feedback. Well, I want to hear what you thought about our thoughts on your listener feedback. <laughs> thoughts for your thoughts. <laughs> you can send us at hey you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gartahan for the theme music and Andrew Adair for the new awesome theme. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you to Mark for always helping with the reading order and thank you, John, for all your wonderful editing skills that Daniel and I don't listen to. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> but you know uh, what? There was no editing for the commentary, and I thought it was all right. I thought we we did oh, better. Yeah. You know, I I, th- I was a little worried about we're not going to be able to edit the episode, but um, yeah. I thought it was good. I, I thought we did a good job. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, we had a pretty good time on that. And uh, if you're enjoying the uh, podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, you know, just uh, open it up and uh, give us a star rating you think we deserve. Five no, stars, give us five please? stars. We de- That's what five we deserve. Stars. Even if you don't think we deserve it, that's what you should give us. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are reading Hellboy and the BPRD, 1955, the story Secret Nature and Occult Intelligence. Awesome. So you, so you know what to do. Open up those floppies, get the trades, uh, get the digital download. Join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovis saying, I'll always look this good. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.